Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Uh, You know what? If you'd like to stand for the reading of the word, that would be honorable. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him. This is Jesus speaking. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Very quickly, I will go to Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. This will be read in the message translation. Why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, Come on, somebody. Y'all reading this with me? You are like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. Matthew, Luke, giving their interpretation and giving their experience in somewhat of a similar situation hearing the words of Jesus and I would just simply like to title this thought tonight life lessons from the mount life lessons from the mount you may be seated I think before I begin in where God would have me to speak tonight I I believe it would be very important that I put this parable or or the word of God that Jesus was speaking, that Jesus is teaching and speaking to his disciples. He is not speaking or preaching to sinners. This was part of the sermon on the mount. Now we like to focus on Matthew chapter 5 and with 6 and 7, but the sermon on the mount was an exhaustive sermon was much longer than what you're going to experience tonight. It encompassed several chapters. I would assume it was several hours of time of Jesus 
teaching them. I think it's very important in the context to understand that Jesus was teaching to disciples. In fact, the message introduces this passage to show us that Jesus always expects more from his disciples than he does from the crowd. He's going to always expect more from the disciples. Matter of fact, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, it says it like this. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving to a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. So when you look at this, when you begin to look at the context of the scripture, he was giving instructions to those who were hungry for a better way and a better life and to understand the reason why Jesus was born, why Jesus was now stepping into his earthly ministry. We're now entered into the life of Jesus, not as a carpenter any longer. He was now stepping into the reason that he was born. He was there to teach. He was there to show them and be an example unto them and expound on a better way, a better way of life, a better way of living. And for them, it was, it was going to take time. It was going to take time to, to, to change the way they were thinking, to change the way they had dreamed of a Messiah to come. All they had heard was a kingdom, but they didn't understand how the kingdom would even come to pass. They were waiting on that bright and shining armor. They were waiting on that, that horse ride into the city to announce his his coming to establish an earthly kingdom, but he came to establish something greater than an earthly kingdom. He came to establish a spiritual kingdom that went beyond just his three closest disciples, those 12 chosen men, those 72, or, or even greater numbers following the book of Acts, conversion. God was putting in, in motion something that would last generation after generation. And he put it this way in Matthew chapter 7. He always described in trying to get their attention and give two options. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 and 14, there was two ways. One is narrow. Somebody say narrow. It was restricted or confined. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to go the narrow way. But if you follow the narrow way, it's going to lead to life. But then there's another way. If you choose to do that, there's a broad way. It's a broad country. But if you go the broad way, it leads to destruction. So what does that tell me? There's two kinds of disciples. Ones that are going to follow the narrow way and ones that are going to follow the broad way. There's two kinds of trees, one which bears good fruit and one which bears evil fruit, according to Matthew 7, 16 through 20. It's also given us the example of two types of trees. Then there's two houses, one which is built on the foundation that stands and one which is without foundation that collapses. Two types of disciples. Do you realize that you can go to church with both kinds? 
You can be sitting in this room right now with two different ways, two different trees, and two different houses. Now, both houses look good on the outside. Both trees look good on the outside. They, they even had leaves, but there was no fruit. Both ways look attractive, but one was more narrow and confined and one was more broad, but it still, they were pathways to walk on. It behooves us to understand what Jesus was trying to teach us, life lessons from the mount. What Jesus was trying to teach us about life, every person is building a house. Everyone in this room, right tonight, you're building a house. If you've never built one in the physical realm, it's quite an experience. We have some general contractors, we have some builders, we have some that are building even as we speak. But I'm not talking necessarily tonight about a physical house. I'm talking about a spiritual house. In scripture, the word house can be used to reference a person's own life. In Matthew 12. It could be a person's family in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It could be the church itself, which is the Lord's house. We're building a house. Whether a person is building a life, a character, a family, a society, or a church, the Bible principle, hear me tonight, is to build carefully. You cannot take it haphazardly. When you're building a house, you must pay attention to details. Every detail matters when you're building a house. That's why we, we, we put much emphasis on building a spiritual house, a godly house. I'll reflect back on what Brother, Brother Hamilton taught us. Where is God's house? I am God's house. I house the Holy Ghost. I house the presence of God. And when we are understanding and we come to the revelation, I'm building a house. And what I'm building is gonna affect those around me, those close to me, those whom, to whom God has put in my care. That's why it's important to always remember every person is building a house. Let me continue. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 and through 13 in the message. Using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I design blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there is going to be an inspection. If you use cheap and inferior materials, you'll be found out. Well, I love the message translation in this right here. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. Wow. Wow. I don't know about you. Have you ever lived through an inspection? You ever had to pray through an inspection? <laughs> Lord, please let it pass inspection. Lord, please. We try our best, but we just, hey, they'll find what they want to find sometimes. 
But when you're, but if we're not careful, we'll try to live life haphazardly and try to do as little as possible and think we can pass the inspection. Now around here, I'm not going to say we hadn't always we 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 haven't been guilty at times, but around here, uh, if you live in the county, get a little more leeway. Get a little more leeway. You live in the county. You ain't got to have certain inspections, or you don't have to have. You know, you, you 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 can do things a little different if you're in the county. But what what, I, what I've come to realize, if you always or try your best to do things by the code. If you do things right, you ain't got nothing to worry about. If the city were to come in on the county and you're building, you built it by code. You built it right. But sometimes the old enemy will try to slip in and he'll drop thoughts in you. Well, is it really sin? Is it really black and white? Is it really in the word? Did the word of God really mean that? It didn't spell it out and it didn't say that. Or, or, or I'll, I'll try to live as close as I can to the world because it didn't just say thou shalt not. But what I want to ask you, it's not is it sin or is it really bad, but where is it leading you? Where is it directionally pointing you? Remember, I'm building a house. But where, if I cut this corner, where's this going to affect me down the process? What, where, if I cut this corner, what's it going to affect down the road? It may not affect you, but it may affect your babies. It may not affect what you do, but what you're doing is you're casting the lot for the future of your family, the house that you're building. So tonight, God has sent me to remind us that every single soul in this room, we're building a house and we cannot do it haphazardly and we must build knowing there is an inspection one day. We're gonna stand before the great white throne of judgment I'm not going to judge you. This is the judge. I said, this is the judgment. This is what, and the books were open. This is what's going to judge us. This is what we're going to have to give an account for. And oh, sometimes the word of God, it doesn't say just ABC, but it gives a principle in the word of God that would lead us in a direction that would say, you know what? It's just best I not go there. It's just best I don't do that. It's just best I abstain from that because it's going to affect the building of my house. Because I'll go on record and say every person in this room, you're building a house, but will you be wise or foolish in building? Proverbs 24, 3 through 4, through wisdom is a house builded and by understanding is it established and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. This is Solomon, the wisest man on the planet. God blessed him with the wisdom that could only come from him and he's telling us, and when I read this, there's three key words from the book of Proverbs. Knowledge is the observation of facts. Understanding is the explanation of facts. 
But wisdom is the application of facts. So knowledge, I can observe something and I can get knowledge about it. But that don't mean I really know it. I've just observed it. And I feel like sometimes that's where we get as a Christian. That's where we get as a child of God. We come into this and we get just a little bit of knowledge. We just get a little bit of knowledge. We observe what's going on, but we don't buy into what's going on. Knowledge is observation of facts. But understanding, I can explain it. It's progression here. We're still building a house. It's important we get the knowledge. It's important we get the, wisdom, uh, the understanding. We can explain what we believe. We can explain what we do and why we do it. But there's, there's another step where wisdom comes into play. Where we start applying what we know. That's where God's calling us in this upcoming year. That we start applying the wisdom and applying the facts of God's word and letting them be on display in our families, in our own individual lives. The Bible, the, the concept of the word of God, hearing is the same as obedience. In other words, if you don't do what is said, you really didn't hear it. There are many similarities between the two builders and the parables. In fact, that the only difference between the wise man and the foolish man is a foundation which is called obedience. You got to get this. This is very, very, very important. That the biblical concept, if you want to know if something's been heard, has someone done what you just told them to do? Because the absence of obedience is a result of the lack of hearing. Because if I hear it and I don't do it, did I really hear it? I mean, that, that could be argued. It could be disobedience. But when you hear it, the gap between hearing and doing is one word called obedience. When you hear something and you obey it, you become a wise builder. But when you hear it and just go about your way like, huh? I did, what'd you say, huh? I don't understand. Then I become a foolish builder. Matter of fact, Luke said it like this in 646. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? Are you not hearing what I'm saying? Are you not comprehending what I'm saying? Are, are you just observing? Are you... There's no application to what I'm saying. James 1.22 said, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. James was saying, don't just hear. You got to start obeying. You got to start doing. That's the gap between hearing and doing. It's obedience. The foundation of a person's life is obedience to the word of God. Disobedience is a person's life. When, when disobedience enters into a person's life, it's like foolishly building a house without a foundation. It's just, I, I disregard my, what my word says, what, what the word of God says. I disregard what some of the statutes and what some of the commandments and what come, some of the instructions and things that I've been taught all my life and things that, you know, I've tried to, 
I've tried to get loopholes around and, you know, is it really that bad? And before long, my foundation has been compromised or there is no foundation. So, which leads me to this. There are three major parts of a house. Somebody say proper foundation. If you're going to build a house, how many know how important the foundation is? Everything rises and falls on the foundation. We had the best of intentions in building our house. We wanted a slab. But until we dug down to dig a footer, we realized we can't build a slab. Or if we can, it's going it's to be quite more expensive than the way we did. We hit water. We had to get an engineer involved. Thought it was a spring. We got a high water table. We've got to put flowable fill. We've got a footer around our house almost three feet just to handle the structure which is above. Now, it would have been real easy, Brother Sparks, to compromise. Do we really need to do what the engineer said? Did we really need to listen to the professional that knew what it was going to take based on the size of our house? I really don't need it. Let's just compromise that, and then instead of 24 inches of flowable field, let's do 12 inches of flowable field. You know what would have happened? More than likely, we won't never know because we listened to the person who understood the code and what the logistics of our home was, but what would have happened over a process of time when the waters would, ri when the waters would rise and we go from season to season, that foundation or that footer would have been jeopardizing, therefore causing the structure of the home to be affected. That's why following the blueprint, following the guidelines, following the following the word, because Psalms 11 and 3 said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, if what we believe and what we have stood for, what, what are the righteous going to do if the foundations are destroyed? Ephesians 2 and 20 said, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We cannot mess with the foundation. It's already laid. We must build our house on a foundation that's already laid. No need pouring a new footer. No need coming with a new doctrine. No need coming with a new gospel. Matter of fact, the Bible says, let them be accursed. It's, all, it's already settled. This is the foundation which what, which what we must build upon. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. It's all in him. There'll never be three gods. It's only going to always be one God. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. I don't care what wave walks in. I don't care what is voted in or what's brought in. It does not matter what flows through the halls of Congress or even a Supreme Court. We are building on a foundation that is sure. The foundation that we are building upon is sure. So once we understand what our, what our foundation is, our foundation is salvation. We got to get that. Repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's our foundation. It's our DNA. 
It's in our birth certificate. It's our birth certificate. It's in our bloodline. We've been bought with the very blood of the one who died for us. So, Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. So come on, in the message translation. Let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God, baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, God helping us, we'll stay true to all that. But there is so much more. Let's get on with it. See, what we've got to do as a church, and as it, I, probably I would dial this back into more individuals. You've got to know in whom you have believed. You can't do this, and you can't build your life just on daddy and mama's relationship. you got to get this for yourself. you got to get your life built on the foundation of the word of God, the salvation message that we teach and preach. you got to know that. That's got to be settled in your mind. You'll never be able to shake a preacher's hand and be saved. You'll never have to just repeat a few words after me and, and go live like you want to live and there'll be no changes. There'll be no adjustments to, to behaviors and habits. If that's a fact, we might as well close our doors and go home. We might as well quit if that's the way it's going to be. What did he save us from if there's no change in who we are? What did he bring us out of if there's no change in who we are? If we don't change some things, what did he pull us out of? What did he change in us if we are the same when we walk to an altar and repent of our sins, baptized in Jesus' name? He deposits his spirit inside of us and we go out and are the same person. What's... What's the use of the Holy Ghost if we're going to become or be the same person we've always been? But I read in the Word of God that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. All things are become new. I'm settling tonight for me and my, the foundation of my life is my salvation. But we can't stop there. That's just the foundation. God's ready to build a house. He's ready to help you build your house. But you got, if you've got the proper foundation, let's talk about the proper structure. Noah's Ark illustrates this truth. God gave Noah the instructions on how to build the Ark of Safety. It had to be built according to the pattern and the plan. In order to withstand the flood, only those within the framework of the ark survived the 40 days and 40 nights of flood. Huh. I started thinking about that today. Even just, what if Noah would have decided, I don't think we need to pitch it on the inside. I don't think we need to, I don't know why. You know, just get the outside. You know, pitch it on the outside. Don't worry about the inside. It don't matter. Or let's just get it on the inside. Let's pitch it on the inside and don't worry about the outside. But that's not what the structure required, Brother Terry. 
God told Noah, I want you to pitch it on the outside and on the inside. I don't want just the outside covered. I want the inside covered. That's why external holiness is important and internal holiness is important. I, there is some that's what God looks on the outside or God looks on the inside, man looks on the outside. That's right. Do you eat fruit based on what's on the inside or what's on the outside? If you see a bad apple on the outside, do you eat it? If you see that, but how do you know a banana's rotten? It looks like it. As long as that outer peeling looks good, you're willing to risk the fact that it's probably okay on the inside. But I don't think we need to minimize the outward holiness and we don't need to minimize the inward holiness. I think it takes both. According to the scripture, the principle of the scripture that God gave Noah on the ark, the house that housed those eight faithful souls that would replenish the world, through them the world might be saved. It matters what we do on the inside. It matters what we do on the outside. That's why the word says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. What I do, and here's where you gotta say, what I do is not unto man, it's unto God. It's unto God. And when you get that revelation, when you're settling on, settled on your foundation and then get settled in building a proper structure, you realize it's all unto God. Genesis 6, 15 through 16. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The, art, the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window thou shalt make to the ark, and in a cubic thou shalt finish it above, and the door of the ark thou shalt set in the side, with the lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. What if he'd have wanted to put the window in a different spot, or the door at a different end? Maybe he would have disregarded. If he would have modified the pattern, it would have abandoned, it would have aborted the plan and the process of God in the instructions that God gave Moses. What Moses' tabernacle illustrates is this truth. God gave Moses the pattern for his house, a framework that held together amidst the, the storms of life that would come. Moses' tabernacle, just like what God did in through, Noah's, through Noah's ark. When you look at Noah's ark, was a type and shadow. It was a pattern of salvation. Moses' tabernacle, it illustrated a pattern of salvation also. They both built according to the pattern God gave them. 40 days for Noah, 40 years for Moses. Does everybody get this? When you look at it, through the storms in the wilderness, 40 years of wandering, being, being fed by God with manna and quail, being watered out of a rock. Drinking water would come out of a rock to sustain them. They were, they were followed or led by God with a pillar of fire and a cloud. Look at all that God's doing. Exodus 25, 8 through 9. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. 
according to all that I will show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments. Even so shall you make it. I want so bad to have a relationship with you, but you have to get the proper structure designed like I tell you. I would dwell among you if you get the structure if you get the structure right, his presence will be here. But if you make one adjustment, if you move it, if you change one iota of it, my presence will not show up. But as long I long to be with you, I long to be, I want to be among you. Now do what I tell you to do. I want you to build it after the pattern. 40 was always a number of testing and God was testing not only Noah's obedience but Moses' obedience. Both men were tested in scripture and God tests our obedience to see if we will live within the framework of the commandments of God. If the foundation is salvation, the structure is God's commandment, his word. Am I willing to get a proper structure in my life? Daily devotion in his word. Daily getting in his word. Finding a time and a place to just spend some time with God and say, Lord, here am I. Lord, I want to have the structure of my life in place. I want it to be founded upon your word. The foundation is salvation. The structure is commandments. But number three, a proper covering. Well, I'll begin to study on this. If we can get you to get your foundation right, settle it. If I can start getting us to live by the word of God. Check number one, check number two. Noah's ark, Moses' tabernacle illustrates the blessing of proper covering. Either of them would have been operational without a covering. But neither one of them would have been comfortable without a covering to protect those inside. The coverings of the tabernacle were beautiful on the outside. There was fine twine linen. But unattractive on the outside. Let me say that again. Beautiful on the inside with that fine linen. But it was unattractive on the outside because it was covered with badger skins. You didn't really understand God's blessing on Israel until you got under the covering. And it was under the covering that you saw the gold. It was under the covering that you experienced the Shekinah glory it was under the covering where his presence manifested itself what good is a foundation what good is a structure if we don't have a proper covering over our lives Exodus 26 and 14 said it, and thou shalt make a covering for the tin of ram skin dyed red and covering above badger skins the covering, the covering I want to speak about for a few moments is the covering of God's favor. When you get the foundation right, when you get the structure right, 
and you begin to operate under the covering of God. And every, every breath you take, it's an understanding. If it was not for the Lord, I wouldn't be here today. If it was not for in everything, everything that I do, everything that I possess, everything that I'm fortunate enough to become in life, it's all because I'm under a covering of God's favor. But it's a result of a foundation. It's a result of a structure. But it's also a covering because it's when you're under the cover. When, it's your, when you're under the covering of the Almighty, you get to experience. You don't understand it from the outside. I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost. When people look at us, they don't understand why we do what we do. They don't understand how we conduct ourselves and why we conduct ourselves because they're only looking from the outside. They've not been under the cover of the Shekinah and felt it like we felt. They've not entered into a relationship with God like we have and understand it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. There is a favor that comes with the experience of the Holy Ghost. There is a covering that happens. You may not have understood it until tonight, but some of you tonight, you're operating under a proper covering, and that's why God's protected you. That's why God has sustained you. That's why God has been merciful and he has been a provider and a he you're operating under a covering you're operating under a covering brother Bentler I don't want to live without a covering over my life I don't want to live outside the covering of the Holy Ghost because I know what's going to happen there's a test coming there's a test coming and I'm going to end this message on this. If you've got a proper foundation, and if you've got a proper, proper structure, and you've got a profit, proper covering, don't for one moment think that your house is not exempt from a test. I didn't say God was going to protect you from the storms of life and prevent them from coming to your house. It rains on the just and the unjust. But it does matter how you built. And if you built right, you can just take comfort in knowing tonight everything's gonna be all right. Soon the rains are gonna cease. Soon the winds are gonna, they're not gonna exist always. The rain's gonna subside and you're gonna be okay if you built your life right. But three tests that are coming to all of us the floods test the foundation. Isaiah 59 and 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy come in, and when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. In today's society, the enemy sends floods of all kinds against the foundation because he knows that if he can get the people to embrace another salvation message, if he can get them to believe a lesser message, it doesn't matter what else they build because it will ultimately fall. 
There is an attack on the foundation. Floods always test the foundation. Winds test the structure. Ephesians 4.14. Then we will no longer be little children tossed and carried about by all kinds of teachings that change like the wind. We will no longer be influenced by people who use cunning and clever strategies to lead us astray. Winds will test your commitment to his word. It will test the structure. There are many voices today that say the word of God is not necessary. Some will even say it's not a salvation issue. It's not an issue at all. But God's word teaches that just some things are maturity issues. There's just some things that when you grow up in Christ, you leave some childish things behind. You, you, you move on to perfection, and that word is maturity. You move on to maturity, and you are, you are a disciple of Christ. You move on in these maturity issues. There are mature things that we should know by now. I don't want to be guilty of being an immature disciple, knowing to do it, but not doing it. Knowing to do right, but not doing it. I want to present, and I want the word of God to be presented in my life and it be presented to a world that when they look, it's something that is a true reflection of Christ. Because winds represent false doctrine. We've come too far to change our doctrine. Floods are going to attack they're going to attack this foundation. Floods represent attacks from Satan. Winds represent false doctrine that come in and attacked our structure. But what I feel to hit home with tonight, I got about 10 minutes. Rain, test your covering. Isaiah 4 and 6, and there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge for a cover from the storm and the rain in life there are many situations and circumstances that seem to temporarily block God's favor at least in our opinion however this is not really the case trials are simply a test. We think God's favor has just been removed from our life. Or we begin to think that God's blocked his favor. But it's in the same way that Satan attacks our salvation. False doctrine attacks the word of God. The trials of life attacks our sense of God's favor. The rains represent the trials of life. Whether you're building a life, a character, the family, the church, these threefold tests will come. It's just a matter of time. Some of you right now are going through the trials of life. You're wondering, where are you at, God? I have been faithful. I have put the kingdom first. I have said things. I've done things. I've helped people. I have gave to this and I've helped this. Where are you? 
What are you doing? And that rain right now, if you could hear, that rain is beating down on your covering. But let me tell you, you're covered. That's the difference when the rains come. That's the difference when the tests come. The rains are hitting the covering that's over your life. You're not going to get destroyed, sir. You're not going to get swept away, ma'am. You're covered. Well, the rains are beating, but are you covered? Are you covered? If you're covered, just hunker down. Trust God. Keep praying. Keep being faithful. You're covered. You're coming out of this. It's gonna come, you're gonna come through. You're covered. I don't know who that's for tonight. I know some of you right now. It's for you, but there's many. You suffered in silence tonight. And you're wondering what I do to deserve. Why did God pull his hand of favor back? He ain't pulled his hand of favor back. He just wants you to, what if his hand is your covering? He's got you covered. He's got you covered. I don't know how much more rain. I got a good foundation. I got a good structure. Oh, but thank God I got a good covering. What if Noah hadn't put a lid on that thing? That all drowned. What if, what if Moses hadn't have put that badger skin on top of that holy place when the rains come? But he didn't know those badger skins were waterproof and in covering what God was trying to, what's inside of you, God's trying to protect. That's why he's got it covered. What's inside of you, God's trying to protect. The trials of life are present right now in many of you. But when you lay your head on your pillow tonight, I want you to say these words. I'm covered. I'm covered. When you pull the literal covers up to your chin and you're wondering what's going to happen tomorrow, I just want you to close your eyes and say tonight, God, I'm covered. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. But I'm covered. I'm covered. Because the rains test the covering. A foolish man's house went up the quickest. I promise I'm closing. The foolish man's house went up the quickest, but last the shortest. A wise man's house took more time to build. They had to dig deep. They had to lay a foundation. But when you build and you learn the life lessons from the mount, you understand. If you're going to build a life, you build it for the long term. You don't build it for the here and just right now. You build it for the long term. Obedience is in the foundation of a Christian life. James 1, And remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. That's the New Living Translation. The message is a message to obey and not just to listen to. The determining factor, if you hear what I say, is if you obey. When you tell your kids to do something, the test of hearing is obedience. If you don't obey, you're only fooling yourself.
For if you just listen and don't obey, it is like looking at your face in a mirror and doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. James 1, through 25 in the New Living Translation. Your obedience is what's going to usher in something beautiful into your house. Stand to your feet. I've watched over 2023, some of you make drastic, drastic changes in your life. You've made drastic changes in the house, God's house, God's house. I've watched you make commitments. I've watched you mature. I've watched you grow and develop. And you know what God's establishing in your life? A true picture of what a Christian house should be like. It's in him we live and it's in him we breathe. And it's in him we have our being. And tonight, I ask God that you would solidify this word. Let someone grasp a hold of it. Let someone catch a principle of your word and realize that when they go home tonight, they're covered. When they get up, it's going to become your word that you use. I'm covered. We're covered, baby. We're covered, honey. Look at your wife. Look at your husband. Say, we're covered. I don't know. We're covered. We've been built. We built it right. Our foundation's right. Our structure's right. Our covering's right. I'm covered. I'm covered. And he'll make a way where there seemeth to be no way. He'll turn every crooked path and make them straight. He will reveal his hand of favor in your life so you recognize it. But many times he's working and you can't see it. He's moving and you can't feel it. Come on, Job, when I, when I go forward, when I go back, when I go side, when I go to the left, when I go to the right, I can't sense him there. But when I come forth, I've been covered. When I come forth out of this, I've been covered so long. He's going to give me double for my trouble. And I'm going to live in the phase of life that says, after this, Job lived. 120 years. After this, when you stay under a covering, there is a season you will step into called after this. There's another season coming, and you're going, oh, it's going to come in, it's going to flow, it's going to, you're going to wonder, God, why was I worried? Why was I? But until then, until then, my heart's going to keep on singing. Until then, I'm going to keep being faithful. Until then, I'm going to be a part of the redeemed of the Lamb. I'm going to keep on rejoicing knowing my day's coming. And I'm covered. Go in the fear of the Lord and the power of his might. Our tithing offering baskets are at the front. If you would like to return that unto the Lord, do so. And don't forget, 9 o'clock Sunday for hot chocolate cocoa and hot apple cider. 9 to 9.45 and 10 o'clock, we'll be here because Christmas is brewing. Be here for our production. God bless you.